Happy April Fool's Day, Scoop Podcast faithful. I won't play any sort of April Fool's joke on you. I won't say anything foolish, try to convince you of anything foolish, like trying to think that any of the local teams have a realistic chance to win a championship anytime soon. But hey, we still have fun dissecting the local teams. We'll continue to do that on the Scoop Podcast. This particular episode will likely just put a heavy emphasis on the Final Four. I may mix in a Vikings note or two, but I know I'll do at least a couple podcasts this week. So on this Monday, the day after the final four is set the final four back in the twin cities for the first time in many years the third time ever the first time ever at u.s bank stadium i think we'll go heavy on the final four devin hall was a great player for the university of virginia he was a second round nba draft pick last june he played five years for virginia redshirted his freshman year we'll catch up with devin in just a bit he is still on cloud nine after his cavaliers punched their ticket to the twin cities to the final four and heck you can make a case virginia can win on saturday can win on monday can win a national championship for the first time ever and we'll catch up with sam mitchell in fact let's get to sam right now former wolves player former wolves assistant coach former wolves head coach for the 2015 2016 season he won 13 more games than they had won the year before but then glenn taylor fired him brought in tom thibodeau since then sam has landed at the university of memphis he is now in the college game he's an assistant coach under penny hardaway with the tigers so let's talk final four and we can mix in an NBA inquiry or two as well with Sam Mitchell, good friend of the podcast. This is episode 217 on this 1st of April. Sam, it's always great to catch up. Let's look back at the weekend, the Elite Eight. Now, statistically speaking, from a margin point of view, I mean, it is, I guess you could argue, the best Elite Eight in history, really. I mean, when you look at all four games, all four incredibly competitive, I mean, the closest four games in Elite Eight history, how did you view the weekend? How much fun did you have watching basketball this weekend? Well, I just thought it was great. It was a great test of basketball. It was a great contradiction when you look at the type of teams that were in it and the type of styles and, and how they're going to match up. And I just think, man, and, and what we saw again, the most talented team on paper don't win. You know, and, and that's the thing I love about college. If that was the NBA you know the deal, Doogie. The most talented team in the NBA, for the most part, wins the championship. Absolutely. Not in college basketball. When you look at Duke, and I've coached Zion Williams, I've coached Cam Reddish, those guys are top five, top ten NBA prospects, without a doubt. But but when you look at at how Michigan State beat them, you know, and, 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 and that's the thing I love about college basketball. Yeah, talent matters. But coaching matters in college basketball. Whereas in the NBA, if you don't have two, two and a half, three all-stars, then it, then you have no chance of winning the championship. You just don't. Unless you have a guy like James Harden who can, and Chris Paul who can put a team on their back and James Harden can go get a triple-double score and 50 points, you just don't have that in college. You're right, although I actually think Clint Capella is pretty darn good to actually like well, Houston's roster. Well, if you look at what he does and, and how he plays and how he fits, He's the perfect big man for that team. He is, Everybody, yeah. every big guy can't do what Clint Capella do. He can switch and keep guards in front of him. He rolls to that basket, gets to the front end, and he's improved. If you watch how he finishes around the rim and his free throw shooting, Clint Capella has improved from his first year in Houston to where he is now. And he is the difference because, think about it, Doogie, when he was out injured, they didn't look like the same team no. at all. They struggled. 
They did, absolutely. All right, on coaching, all right, let's just let's look at the end of the Duke-Michigan State game. I mean, think about the play that Tom Izzo designs coming out of the timeout. Now, I don't know if Goins was the first option or not, but it was a wide-open look. The kid still has to make the shot, but he makes the shot. You know, then you're thinking, I mean, your guy Zion, you're right, you coached him in AAU. Your guy Zion, I thought he was going to get the touch there at the end. It ends up being R.J. Barrett now. He actually thought Barrett was going to make both free throws that we might get to overtime or Michigan State would have a chance there at the end of regulation to to win it at the buzzer. But, you know, you look at coaching there, right? And Coach K is legendary, right? You can make a case Coach K, Sam, is the greatest coach of all time, John Wooden included. But just at the end of that game, I thought Tom Izzo was was a genius. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. When you draw up a play like that, you want to have multiple options. The most important thing, you got the five guys on the floor that you trust the most. Uh, that can make the shot. And give Michigan State credit, man. They moved the ball and they got the wide-open look that they wanted. It was nothing that Coach K did wrong. It's just, that, you know, let's stop criticizing Coach K for what he did, but perceive he did wrong and give Coach Tom Mizzo the credit for what he did right. And, you know, in that situation, he drew up the perfect play. But all of those things don't matter. Flip used to say this all the time, Duke. Mm-hmm. What good is it for me to draw up the perfect play if I don't have anybody to make it? Yeah. So you have to have guys in those moments that can make the shot. And great coaches understand this. Get the ball in the hands of your best players and let them win the game for you. You put them in the right spot, put them in a comfort zone, and then let them do what they do best. And that's what Tom Izzo did. Well, I mean, heck, I mean, think about the end of the Virginia Tech-Duke game, right? I mean, how great was the out-of-bounds play? Yet the kid rushes the shot, right? So we're not necessarily remembering yeah. how great of a play that, that was Williams drew up. Yeah, right? and, and if you think about it, Duke should have been in this game yesterday because that was a layup for Virginia Tech. I know. That was a point-blank layup, and that kid and the coaching staff and those kids are going to remember that as something that, that, that sticks in your crawl. I remember in high school in the semifinals of the state game, i never forget it, my teammate James King, who we nicknamed the Moose, he could jump out the gym, a high flyer, <laughs> miss a tip. He Instead of dunking, the ball came off the rim, Duke, instead of dunking it, he tried to lay it back up in the rim, uh, being finesse. It hits the back of the rim, it comes out, and we lose from going to the state finals by one point. And every time I go home and I see James, and I'm still a good friend, I still remind him and I ask him to this day, why didn't he dunk the ball? What good is having all that jumping and leaping ability and to go in there and try to lay the ball up when he could have easily dunked it? And he and I laugh about it now, but that still sticks in my crawl because I had a chance to play in a state championship game. What does he tell you then? I know what was his it. answer? Why you don't know. It? You know, he just went, he thought he could just lay it in the yeah. basket, didn't think about it, and, you know, he kicks himself too. He thinks about it. We all think about it, but in a fun, in a, in a, in a lighthearted way now. You know, not mad about it, but still looking at that opportunity that you have slip away. Well, and heck, you can even push all the right buttons, right, Sam? Like, think about the end of the Virginia-Purdue game. I thought Matt Painter was right to have Purdue foul. In this case, it was Ty Jerome. Like, how could you have ever foreseen that situation playing out where Virginia gets the basket at the buzzer to force overtime? Absolutely. But going back to R.J. Barrett, I didn't think he would make those free throws. Because I remember a game a few games early into the season, and if you look at Barrett, I think he's a, a right below a 70% free throw he shooter. He is. From you're right. Yeah, statistically, yeah. yeah. I mean, and, he's probably going to miss one of those. Yeah, and I've watched him in some games throughout the season miss some big free throws, and obviously Duke was just so talented to overcome it. But I didn't think 
he was going to make both of those free throws. And, you know, and I wasn't shocked. When you have two guys like Zion Williams and R.J. Barrett on the floor, the thing that I was shocked about was that Tom Izzo's team let Barrett get to his left hand. And that's the thing that, that these kids are going to understand. When they make the jump to the next level, they better start working on their weaknesses because you know in the NBA, if we think you can't go but one way and, and, and we think you can't go right, this what's going to happen to you. You're going to be forced gonna to go sit on that left. The NBA player is going to sit on that left hand until you prove that you can go right and finish. I'm just telling you, I might take John ja Morant over R.J. Barrett. If I have the number two pick, I mean, Zion is the obvious one pick. I like the Morant kid, though, number two. I, hey, man, when you look at all the things that he can do, and you look at, ask yourself this. After you get past, see, this is the thing people don't understand about Zion. Dude, I coached him at Adidas Nation. I know you did. When I coached yeah. him, I played him at the point forward. He can play point forward. He can be Ben Simmons. He is that good with the ball, handling the basketball, and making decisions. But I agree with you. The kid out of Murray State, man, Moran, oh, my God, when you look at how complete of a player, think about it. He's a great athlete. He checks that box. He can score the basketball. He checks that box. He's a willing passer. He checks that box. And he's a highlight reel, excitement. He checks that box. So, to me... When you look at the top four or five kids in this year's draft, you got some exciting, talented kids coming up. You knew on Zion. I remember you were on this podcast, and we might have been talking off mic, but you told me years ago, you're like, Dukes, know the name Zion Williamson. Now, maybe you weren't you. alone, but like, you knew it right away. The first time you, you ran a practice with him, Sam, you knew he was going to be a superstar. Let me tell you this, man. Zion Williams is very good friend. I'm not going to call it a kid name. But this kid was another top 20 kid in his class, right? Mm-hmm. He's playing at Kentucky right now. That's how good this kid is, right? Mm-hmm. They are best of friends. But they were playing, when we were at Adidas Nation, they were playing on opposite teams. And Zion Williams went at this kid like, like it was his worst enemy. I mean, he was dunking on him. He was physical. He was beating him. He was blocking his shot. Not, not, and he wasn't doing it in a boisterous way. He was just dominating this kid. And afterwards, they hugged, and, you know, we walk out and go get something to eat, and Zion and this kid sitting there laughing and joking. And I'm like, and I went to the kid, and I was like, are you and Zion that close? He's like, Coach, that's my best friend. <laughs> I'm like, you would never know it when I watched the play against you. He said, Coach, that's Zion, man. When he walks on that court, he don't care who you are. He's trying to he's trying to destroy you, and you have to respect that about it. And afterwards, just as nice and manable. And I'll tell you something, Doogie. This is the thing about him that I love more than anything. As great a basketball player as he is, he is a better human being. Mm. Listen to me, Doogie. I know his stepfather, and I know his mom. His stepfather went to Columbus State in my hometown of Columbus, Georgia. Oh, wow. So I grew up playing with his stepfather. His stepfather originally signed with Clemson. So this is to your man, Lee, he's his stepfather, who helped develop him and train him. But they have done an unbelievable job raising Zion Williams. He, whoever gets him, you're not only getting a great basketball player, you are getting a guy that's, that's going to be the face of your franchise for the next 15 years. That's how special of a human being he is. I'm bummed. I love him. He's yeah. a great kid, man. I'm, I'm bummed, Sam. I wish I wish Duke was coming here to the Twin Cities, right? I mean, I wish. Dude, I'm telling you, man. He, you know, sometimes, Duke, the thing about these kids, man, they don't know how to be fake. 
You know, when you become a pro, you know how to fake it, the interviews and things. With kids at 17, 18, 19 years old, they haven't learned that yet. They haven't learned how to play the game with the media. So when you watch him in an interview, that modest, that shyness, he's almost embarrassed at how good he is off the court. But when he steps on the court, he is a different human being, man. And he, I love it. He is one of the nicest young men and most special young men that ever I ever been around in my life, man. He is just whoever gets him, trust me. Sign him for fifteen years and you don't have to worry about it. He'll never ever embarrass your organization on or off the court. Are you coached, I don't think. Yeah, you coached Cam Reddish too. Does Cam have some of those qualities as well? Let me tell you who Cam reminds. Cam is, is a smooth, he's a six eight two guard who's smooth. The only thing about Cam that I want to see with Cam, I want to see him be more aggressive. And that's hard. And you got to understand, he was playing with two guys who are probably going to be one and two or one and three or four in the draft. And Cam is going to be in the top five or top seven. But it's hard to get your game off when you're playing with R.J. Barrett and Zion Williams. Cam Reddish, let's say, for instance, Cam Reddish would have went to a, and just pick a school, a University of Minnesota or Ohio State or whatever. Mm-hmm. Cam Reddish would have been a kid that would have averaged 20, 21 points a game, and he would have been a guy that people talk about. He is super talented, but you didn't get a chance to see the true talent of Cam because he was playing with three other really great college players. And then when you look at uh, Tyus Jones' brother, uh, I can't remember his first name, and I don't want to disrespect him by calling him Tyus Jones' brother. Trey, thank you, Duke. But uh, Trey, to me, is also a pro. When you look at oh, yeah, yeah. his size, his ability to run a team, he's also a first-round pick. So it was tough for Cam because you're playing with three other pros. Although Trey needs to work on his jump shot, right? He doesn't have Tyus's jump shot. Yeah, he don't. But you think about something. He has to if, – if you could give Tyus his size and his jump shot, Ooh. give give Tyus his size, brother. Yeah. Think about how good Tyus and, – and another thing, I'm proud of Tyus, man. Tyus came in. Smaller guard, late first-round pick. But the thing that flipped and we all loved about Ty, he's won on every level. Mm-hmm. And that's something that you have to take into consideration. A young man who's won at every level that he's been at, he's a winner. And you want those type of young men on your team. All right, who wins next Monday? I mean, can you make a case, Sam, for any of the four teams? Like, if I wanted to make a case for Auburn winning it all, you know, would you call me nuts? Or if I wanted to make a case for Texas no. Tech winning it all, would you call me nuts? Well, as a matter of fact, we played Texas Tech in a tournament in Miami, and they beat us. We had them. We had them down with five minutes to go, and should have beat them. But when you look at Texas Tech, got a pro on their team now, also now a two guard, also. So I put it to you like this: I'm going to give a slight advantage to Michigan State because of Izzo and the type of team he brings to the tournament, tough and gritty. But if Auburn can make Michigan State play up tempo, and if Auburn start making threes and they get to the final, then Auburn can win this thing, man, because they can score the basketball. And they're going to try to force you to play up tempo. I'm going to give a slight advantage to Michigan State because it's time is over. But I think all four of those teams, you can make a case for all four of those teams to win the national championship. Yeah, I mean, let's not forget. I mean, we're talking about maybe Auburn playing next Monday. Virginia is the one one seed left, right? Now, Michigan exactly. State Virginia. probably should have been a one. But Virginia, right? We haven't even brought up Virginia. They're the one seed. Well, I think the thing about Virginia people are worried about is when you go back to last year, 
if you can speed Virginia up and make them play, if you get them down, Virginia has a hard time coming back because they don't play that fast-paced style of basketball. They're very deliberate in how they run the offense. But if you can get them down by 10 points, let's say late into the first half and going into that second half at that 15-minute mark, they're down and you got and they got to speed up their play, that's when you can get them in trouble because now you can increase that lead on Virginia. But all four teams can win it. Uh, I think it's going to be an exciting Final Four. But, again, it goes back to say the team with the most talent on paper don't necessarily win an NCAA tournament. And that's what we all love about it. In the NBA, Dugan, let's face it, the team with the most all-stars that are playing the best generally are going to win it. Not in, in, not in college. It just doesn't work that way. All right, let's go back to the game that you guys lost to Texas Tech. You were up with five minutes ago, but you lost to Texas Tech. It was like the 1st of December, 2nd of December, very early in the season. When you were playing Texas Tech thereafter, I mean, did you feel like you saw greatness with this Texas Tech team? Well, we were we were upset that we lost that game, dude, because we knew we had an excellent chance of beating them. We knew Texas Tech was going to be an excellent team. Uh, they, they were already ranked when we played them. And just how they play offense and defense and how well coached they are, we knew they were, that we had an opportunity to be the top 10 team nationally. And we let it slip away. But we, we now, no one saw Texas Tech going to the Final Four. But we knew they were an elite basketball team. When you say well coached, I mean, not a lot of people know about Chris Beard, but he is the man, isn't he? Well, people don't understand. The offense he runs, he runs that old Bobby Knight motion offense. And that's the thing that a lot of people don't understand. He runs that set, man. And when he comes up, to, when those guards come up to set those back screens and slip to the middle every single time, if you don't, if you fall asleep on that, they're going to hit you with those layups. And they're, they're just sneaky good, man. And when you think about how solid they are defensively, you know, they keep everybody in front and they force you to shoot over the top. So they really try to make you play their style of basketball. But, you know, when you look at this Final Four, now, all four of these coaches are excellent, and they're all right and, and do things a, a certain way. And so you have to uh, understand that each one of these teams has the ability to win. Does Texas Tech switch everything on defense? At times they do, but they have the ability to do that. And I think the strength of Texas Tech also, man, you look at their, you know, their age. You know, they got a couple of guys that were uh, redshirt seniors that, that are playing this year. And so they're experienced. They're an older team. They know how to play. And, and, and that's the thing that, that you have to be concerned about when you play Texas Tech. Their ability to beat you with the fact that they're a veteran team and know how to win. I love the Culver kid, too. You're right. I mean, he's he's a legit lottery prospect. I mean, I'd oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'd have no problem seeing him here in Minnesota, frankly. <laughs> yeah, a lot of teams feel that way. All they did was pretty much reload, right? I mean, they lose all these starters from last year, including the Smith kid that went top 20 in the draft, but they bring in the transfer, grad transfer from South Dakota. You've got Culver. I mean, heck, I mean, you can do that in college basketball, right? Even if you lose guys, a bunch of guys like Texas Tech did a year ago, you know, you can bring in a grad transfer or two, you hit on the right recruit or two, and you have a good returning player, and lo and behold, you're in the Final Four. There you go. You just said it. I mean, dude, if you think about it, if you can find the right transfer or a junior college kid, and, 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 and if you got a, a base and you have a system in which your players are comfortable with and know how to operate in, then you have a chance to win at college basketball. And that's the beauty of college basketball. You know, talent matters. 
but coaching matters just as much. How you how you mesh these teams together, how you get these teams to play together, how do you get them to sacrifice? And one thing I give Coach K a lot of credit for, you know, when you have four first-round picks in your starting lineup, to get those four guys to play together, to love each other, and to care more about each other than themselves, that's a heck of a, a job within itself. So, again, Coach K don't need praise from me. Everyone knows how great a coach he is. You talked about it before the start of the podcast. But, again, people don't understand. Everybody, th- everybody thinks that if you just got talent and just put them on the floor, you can win. you got to coach talent. The more talent you have, the more coaching you have to do because you got to make sure that talent is directed in the right way. You'll be coaching some good talent in the coming years. Are you just are you jacked up? I mean, as we sit here and analyze March Madness, how jacked up are you, Sam, in the in the coming years to be part of March Madness? Well, that's our goal. We thought we had an outside chance this year. If we could have beat Houston in the semifinals of our conference tournament, we thought that might have been the win that could get us in. Unfortunately, we lost a tough close game and you saw how good Houston was mm-hmm. making it to the sweet sixteen. So we feel very good about and and, and Coach Hardaway and our staff uh, you know, we're we're in the office right now, uh, just thinking of ways that it's this group of freshmen and, and kids we got coming in, uh, how we can mesh them together. The quicker we can get them to mesh, the better we're going to be. And, you know, we're going to have a tough schedule again this year. So we are excited about watching this. And, and hopefully with the talent that we come in, got coming in and, and we do right by it, uh, our dream is to be playing in the Final Four next year, hopefully. And I'm sure that's the dream of a lot of a lot of teams out there, but you got to dream big in order for it to happen. Are you coming? Are you coming to town this week? Absolutely, Duke. I would be there Wednesday night. So, what's the plan? I mean, what's on your itinerary as you arrive Wednesday, then through the weekend? Well, Duke, you know, I've never been to all the coaches' meetings and things of that nature that college coaches need to attend for information and just getting acclimated to it. I've never been in that environment before, so I'm excited about coming to the Final Four, being in that environment meeting some of the other coaches. Now, I've got a chance to meet a lot of coaches in college this year, but I've only met the guys mostly from our non-conference schedule and our conference. So just being in that environment among other coaches, uh, getting to know people, uh, going to the meetings, understanding uh, the complexity of the NCAA and how things work. And for me, this year and the years to come has been an education for me. So I'm learning a lot, uh, and I'm excited about it. I'll let you go after a couple more. How happy are you for Ryan Saunders? Uh, Ryan, I, I, I really think Ryan has a chance to be an excellent coach. Uh, I really think those guys will, will, will buy into the message. Uh, he has a good temperament. I think he's going to be good. Uh, again, in the NBA, it comes down to can you get the players? And in Minnesota, you got to get lucky. You got to draft the right players and you got to continue to develop. That's what people don't understand. If you look at the Milwaukee Bucks, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't go, they drafted players and they developed them within their own system. And that's what the Timberwolves are going to have to do. They got to start putting money and resources in, into the development part of developing and Wiggins, Carlin Towns. And that's the guy that to me is going to be the key, Doogie Wiggs. If you look at yes. where he was with Flip, you look at where he was with myself, uh, he was on a high trajectory. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden he kind of leveled off on the tip. I think with Ryan, Ryan's got to rebuild his confidence. And to me, to me, just my personal opinion, I would move Andrew Wiggins to the two guard. That's why I played him. And if you look at his numbers when he played the two, Andrew Wiggins is not 
look at the NBA today. Look how big these guys are. But when you put him at the two guard at six eight, now he has size, he has an advantage, and he has the quickness and the ball handling of a two guard. And I just think he needs these line to just. And I know Ryan's going to do this to just start back believing in him, putting the ball in his hands more, putting him in a situation where he can make a play for himself or his teammates. And I think you're going to see the best of Andrew Wiggins if you do that. I, you know, that's the thing for me. For Timberwolves to be good and to be a playoff team and to be a competing team for a championship, Andrew Wiggins is going to have to play up to his ability because without it, it's just hard to overcome. Will he, though, Sam? I mean, we're now five years in. I mean, aren't you sort of who are you know who you're going to be? Okay, as far do you think about this? He's five years in, not to interrupt you. He's five years in and on his fourth coach. I know. Oh, I hey. Now I think know. about that. And, I've and him in hold up, think yeah. about this. Yeah. When Andrew Wiggins got there, we were going to build the Timberwolves around Andrew Wiggins. I know. Flip oh, I gets know. sick. Flip passed away. I take over. Andrew Wiggins is still one or two. Then all of a sudden, another coaching change. Now all of a sudden, you you bring in a Jimmy Butler. Now Andrew Wiggins is now from a guy. Think about it. Andrew Wiggins went from handling the ball and doing all these other things and being a playmaker and a scorer to being a spot-up shooter in the corner. That's the least of what he can do. You know, he can shoot the ball, but he's not a knockdown three-point shooter in the corner like a J.J. Redick or someone like that or a Kyle Corver. He's a guy that can score in multiple ways. You got to get him out in transition. You got to get the ball in his hand. You got to put him in pick and roll. You got to put him in situation. And then, last but not least, you got to believe in him. You got to believe in Wiggs. And I think Ryan has the temperament uh, to do that. And I think, but but Duke, if they don't, if they, if Andrew, if if whoever's there can't get him to play up to his potential, then you're not going to win. Because think about it, he makes too much money, mm-hmm. and he's too talented. To overcome that. Now think about it. If Andrew Wiggins don't play up to his potential, where are you going to go find a guy that's making minimum that can do, has the ability to do what Andrew Wiggins? It's just not going to happen. Does he believe in himself, though, Sam? That's great. I mean, Ryan will believe in him. You believe in him. So many people believe in him. Does he believe in himself? That's the coaching job. Wayne never used to tell me this all the, all the time, Dugan. Your job as the coach is not just X's and O's. Your job as the coach is to find that something in every player that you can connect with that brings out the best of them. So if so, if my if your perception of Andrew Wiggins is that he's lost his confidence and you don't believe in him, how do you get that belief back? Let me tell you how. You put him out there. You put him in situations where you know. First of all, it starts by putting him at a position that he's going to be more comfortable at. To me. Now, everybody got different opinions to me. Mm-hmm. Andrew Wiggins is a two-guard. He's not a small forward. He's not a small, he's not a power forward, and he's not a small forward. He is a two-guard. And you go back and watch in that second year when I played him at the two. Go look at his numbers. And go back and look at his numbers when we played some of the top teams, when we played the Houston Rockets, when we played the Chicago Bulls. See, see. Duke, this is what people get confused. Go back to his second year. Remember, we beat Chicago twice with Jimmy Butler when he was in Chicago, right? Mm-hmm. And correct me if I'm wrong. Go look at Andrew Wiggins' numbers against Jimmy Butler. 
in those two games. I we won both games. Yeah, I mean, I remember him having great games against LeBron James and the Cavs. I mean, he did rise to the occasion against some pretty good teams. Oklahoma City. He's always played well against yeah. Oklahoma City. Yeah, he played well against them. To me, we played good against the top teams. The thing about it, man, but we played him at the two guard. There's a difference, man. Look, when you're at the two and you're six foot eight and you're long and you know you can shoot over guys and you can get to the hole and use your size and strength to get to the basket against guys, he has an advantage. The NBA, dude, this is what the NBA is about. All basketball and all sports are about this. Can I put my guys in position? To have an advantage. Why would I put Andrew Wiggins at the small forward position when he doesn't have an advantage? Mm-hmm. I'm going to put him at a position where he has an advantage. And to me, with the addition, if they can keep Covington, he comes back healthy at six nine, and you play him at the small forward, and he guards the small forwards. That's when I would put Andrew Wiggins at the two and let him defend, and then let those two guards defend him. Isn't the comeback, though, that Wiggins is such a freak athlete, Sam, that in theory he should have an advantage over a lot of threes if you kept him at the three? Doogie, in theory, we're talking about reality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave you I hear this. that. Yeah. And I'm not saying he can't yeah. play the three, but think about it. He's going to have such an advantage. He has such an advantage at the two. Why play him at the three? All right, well, you've seen. Look, no, when he plays against Durant at the three, he's overmatched. Well, but when he plays against Clay Thompson at the two, he's not overmatched. Yeah. Clay's a better shooter, but think about it. And when we beat Golden State that second year Golden State, we put Andrew Wiggins on the block, and he was shooting over Clay Thompson. All right, so think about it from that yeah. standpoint. Yeah, no, no, I hear you. No, you've sold me. I'm okay with that. You know, and that means Joshua Kogi's coming off the bench, which is fine by me. Heck, they could target a guy like Clark from Gonzaga in the draft. You play Covington at the three, maybe a Clark at the four. You come out somebody else at the four. How much Andrew Wiggins making? He's making twenty seven million, million right? and they have Dario Sarge too. I mean, so I guess in theory, your starting lineup could be okay. point so guard me, Wiggins, so Covington, this. Sarge. You're paying, him 20, you're paying him twenty five million dollars, right? Yeah. Now, well, yeah, is but, it smart at, at twenty five million? Is it smart to put him at a position where he's average? Or put him at a position where he can be above average, average and dominate. Well, it's the latter. And at this point, I mean, you're stuck with the contract. So, yeah, you need to try everything in your power Thank to you. maximize his skill set. So, yeah, I mean, and heck, I mean, Sarich is going to be here. Covington is going to be here. So, to me, Wiggins is probably the starting two anyway with Okogie coming off the bench. Yeah, because and you have to balance your team off. You can't have five great starters and no bench. Mm-hmm. So, you got to balance your team out. And since I've already committed $150 million or whatever that amount is to Andrew Wiggins, I think it would behoove me to try to get him and put him in a position that I can get the most out of him. All right, I'll leave you with this, Sam. you got to pay him. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're paying. I mean, he's here, and I don't think the contract is movable anytime real soon, maybe in a couple years, but it's not movable right now, so you better maximize everything you can because there is talent there. I mean, that's undeniable. I mean, the first game under Saunders, he got to the free throw line 18 times. There's something there. Think about it from this standpoint. Yeah. If you don't do it, then you just wasted $150 million. Correct. Okay? You gave him, you paid him $150 million based on what you saw him do. What people forget, you saw him do that from the two-guard position. Remember that now. I know. I'll leave you with this, Sam. Do you still keep in touch or watch? I mean, who's left from when you coached here? I mean, Gorgie, Tyus, 
Cat and Wiggins, right? Is that it? Am I forgetting anybody? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Don't get a chance to talk to him. Every now and then I talk to Carl or, or Wig or text me. We text each other a little bit. But for the most part, man, when you're not their coach, you need to, you know, it's fine if they stay in touch, but you need to let those guys uh, go on with their careers. And when I run into them, it's a great reunion. But those guys need to get adapted to their new coach and, and all the things that are going in. And it's great. You know, they always have a special place in my heart. And hopefully one day I see them and get to work with them again in some capacity. But, uh, you know, I wish those guys well. They'll always be a part of me, Zach Levine included. But those young men are going on with their lives and their careers, and they got the world ahead of them. So, hey, you, you see them when you see them. Sam, you have a special place in my heart. I always appreciate the time. You're welcome, Bill. The same here. All right, let's now transition from Sam Mitchell to one of the better players in Virginia Cavaliers history. He just got done playing for them last year. He was a second-round pick in the NBA draft. It is Devin Hall. Devin, thanks for your time. What was going through your mind as you're sitting there watching the game? Were you in person? Were you watching on TV? But as you're sitting there on Saturday night watching just that epic game, Virginia-Purdue, for the right to come here to Minneapolis to go to the Final Four, what were the emotions going through you? I was excited. I was uh, sitting sitting in my house in, uh, in uh, OKC, and I'm sitting here watching the game, and I'm yelling at the TV, excited, man, because that's uh, just as much as that as uh, that program has been through, and it's just exciting to see that guys are you know, able to you know, fulfill dreams of being able to you know, see the Final Four, as well as Coach Bennett being able to you know, see the Final Four. I mean, you're right. I mean, you know firsthand, I mean, what that program has gone through. I mean, you were on the team that lost last year, the one seed to the 16 seed. I mean, it's one remarkable job, right? I mean, speaking of perseverance, I mean, fortitude, whatever you want to call it, you know, but to be able to rebound from what you went through last year to get back to earn a one seed, then now to earn the the berth in the final four. I mean, it's one heck of a run here. Yeah, these are just, uh, I mean, it's, has a lot to do with the resiliency, the resiliency of the program and the players that were there that 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 went through the situation that we went through last year. But I mean, it's it's all a learning process, and you know, obviously they learn well from it now they're in the final four. As you were watching, I mean, even going back to the round of sixty-four game against Gardner Webb. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I think Gardner Webb led at the half. You know, then the Sweet right. Sixteen game. I mean, that game was back and forth. I mean, you could have made a case for for Oregon winning that game. Then certainly the way Saturday played out, the Elite Eight game. Against Purdue, I mean, you know, Virginia certainly didn't make it easy on themselves, did they? No, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, uh, I mean, this is the one and done type of deal. So you're going to get every team's best shot, and and that's just that's that's just how it's going to go when you, when it comes to playing in March. And um, luckily, we we didn't we've been able to pull games out and uh, actually keep down a stretch. Just uh, you know, it's just, I'm just happy for them. What were you thinking as Ryan Klein, great shooter, is at the free throw line? I mean. He misses the free throw, right? I mean, if he makes that second free throw, Purdue is up four. I mean, that might have sealed the game. Right, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, obviously, I mean, being a great shooter that he is, I didn't expect him to miss it. But, um, like, the ball sometimes just doesn't drop your way. And, you know, uh, coming down the stretch, it was, you know, good for Ty to, you know, get to the free throw line and uh, make one and miss one. And then uh, the you know, tip pass over half court and Mom and he knocking, uh, making the floater right at the buzzer. And how about the decision from the guard? I forget his name, but I mean, I think a lot of kids would have just heaved it from half court, right? Like yeah, for him yeah, to have, yeah, yeah, I mean, he's looking at the clock and he knows he's got a chance. He makes the one, the one hand pass, gets it to the big man. The big man makes the shot at the buzzer to force overtime. But I'm just thinking, Devin, that, that I think a lot of players would have chucked the ball from half court thinking that's the best shot we can get. 
Right, he's um, he's a freshman and uh, he's a very heady player. Uh, to, to just to know to you know get the ball up, he sees the open guy, he sees there's time left, so he he makes the right play and, and you know it worked out well for him. I mean, did you think as the ball went through, as the big man makes the shot at the buzzer, that that the game's going to overtime? Were you convinced at that moment? Okay, my Virginia Cavaliers are going to find a way to get to the Final Four. Uh, I mean, like you, you never know when you're in that situation because, like, I mean, as I mean, the odds aren't very high that you're going to win that game when you're on the, you know what I mean, uh, with that time, amount of time left, and uh, you're down three, and you're on the free throw line. you got to, you know, I guess in a situation where I don't know if you if you want to make one or miss one, uh, make make the second one or miss the second one, it just happened to work out that way, and get, we get in the shot of the floater at the buzzer. Correct me if I'm wrong, you redshirted your freshman year. I mean, the yeah. team had gone to the second round of the NCAA tournament maybe like a year prior, but think about the success that the program had from your first year on campus, the five years that you were on campus, now this sixth year, you gone, but them going to the Final Four, does it feel satisfying? How satisfying does it feel, Devin, that, that you are really a part of you know the building of this thing, the real building of this thing? Uh, it feels great, man. Like um, I'm super happy like for the program and Coach Bennett and everybody there because um, just the the underlying work that nobody really sees the program put in, and uh, staying faithful to the process of you know uh, being who we are as a team, and you know people in in, in the country not necessarily liking the way we play or whatnot. Um, it's just uh, I think the most faithful wins at the end of the game at the end of the day, and you know we've been very faithful to the process. Thankful, I'm, I know everybody in that program is thankful. You know the spot they're in, and I know they're looking forward to you know going and trying to win the championship. What makes Tony Bennett such a good coach? He's special, man. I, like it, it would be hard for me to sit down here and boil it into one conversation. Uh, he's just like his uh, his demeanor, his uh, his confidence he puts in players. His, his style of coaching is unique. Um, you have to very you have to really trust what he's saying, and you know he gets you to trust him. He he gets you to play balls to the wall for him. I mean, and it's great now that on the national stage, people can recognize his brilliance, right? For sure, and he deserves it. He deserves every single bit of it. And, I mean, heck, you can make a case that he was the best coach to never have made it to a Final Four, but now that he's here, I mean, you know, it's just it's an unbelievable run for him. And, you know, how does he get you guys, you know, and, and I can say you guys because you were a part of it, how does he get you guys to buy in to that style to play the defense that you do? I mean, coming in, you, yeah, you, you, you see it and you have to know there's a culture there. Um, so like, once you get there, there's, this guy has already laid a foundation, like you said. So you pretty much just buy into what go, what goes into that, that that foundation, and you just stick to it because it's been a winning a winning uh, program for you know the years the, the 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 biggest years or whatever the past I don't know six seven years or five years and uh, whatever it's been. But I know the five years that I was there it was, and you know you get young guys that come in and you want them to be successful. So you, you lay it out for them, and they follow the same path. How good of a player is Ty Jerome? He's really good. He's elite, man. I think he's really good. Yeah, I mean, he can do it all, can he? I mean, you know, you trust sure. him to make every right decision. You trust him to knock down the open three, and he can defend yeah. clearly. So, I mean, he, he pretty much is the total package. You see him at the end of the game who, who, who has the ball in their hands. So, I mean, that tells you a lot about what, who the coach trusts. About a lot about you know uh, and the team and you know the confidence they have in him, but the confidence he has in himself to take a big shot and make a big shot. Um, he had some big shots for us, even though um, like 
even though, like, uh, me, Isaiah, and we're older guys that were on the team, like, we, we trust him to make those plays. Like, he's a, he's a very good player, a heavy player, knows how to play the game the right way, and is elite. He's got skill, he's got skill level. Um, as he's, he's gonna, I think he's gonna be an NBA player, so I'm happy for him, and I'm happy for a lot of the guys on the team. There's a, there's, there's a ton of guys in that team that I can talk about. Well, and let's talk about a few more. I mean, Kyle Guy, I mean, yeah. you know, great shooter, but the three wasn't going round of 64, round of 32, sweet 16, but I guess shooters shoot, right? And and he's always had that confidence where, you know, did you feel like, hey, heading into that Purdue game, Kyle was going to find a way to make some threes? Every time every time Kyle shoots the ball, I think it's going in. That, like, he is a dandy. That's what he does. Like, he's an elite shooter. Um, so, like, I, I know he never – his confidence never wavered in any way because he wasn't making shots going into the game. But, like, he is an elite shooter. You saw, like, I think it may have been, I don't know if it's the second or third game, he went 0 for 10 from three. Like, that'll never like, that'll never stop Kyle from shooting because he's not hitting. If he's open, it's going up. And what about DeAndre Hunter? I mean, the ACC Defensive Player of the Year didn't really have his offensive game on Saturday but did get a big bucket late, but he had been put on the bench. I mean, I guess what does it say about Hunter that that he wasn't annoyed, he didn't get down, he didn't curl up in the fetal position when when Tony put him on the bench. That when he went back in there in overtime, he came through because he knows it's not a, it's not necessarily just about him. He's not a selfish player, to play in any way. Um, so I mean, he's gonna do what he do what he has to do for the team and for the team to make sacrifices. Maybe on the offensive end, maybe he wasn't playing as well as he could have or or should have, but. Um, the dude can guard one through four, and sometimes if they're playing small ball, he can guard the one through the five. He's an elite, an elite defender and a strong athlete. Can make plays and is skilled on an offensive end. So like he's he's a danger for teams, and, and teams you know have trouble with him. But he's uh, also a very selfless player, knowing that um, he'll he'll do whatever he can to help the team win. Guard to guard, how much respect did you have for? Carson Edwards' performance. I mean, you're talking about Hunter and his defense. I thought Hunter played pretty darn good defense at times on Edwards, and Ed- Edwards just made some ridiculous shots. Dude, the dude is a pro. Like, you know, he, uh, Carson Edwards is elite. The way he shot the ball and the way he played, like, it was all, it was a one-man show. I don't think anybody else was in double figures besides him um, for, for, for Purdue, and um, he's he's really good. I got a ton of respect for Jamie the way he plays, and he actually was on my team at the combine in Chicago. Oh, he was okay, yeah, because he went through yeah. the pre-draft process last yeah. year and then decided to go back to Purdue. So I mean, he knows what what it'll take, and yeah, I mean, I would imagine. I mean, he could go back to Purdue for another year, but I would imagine the performance he's had. I mean, heck, his yeah, stock's not going to be any higher. Yeah, I don't see why he'd go back, but um, yeah, I mean, some some people do, but you know, I wish the best for him and. You know, his career moving forward, he's a, he's, a, he's a talent. He's a really good player. What's your schedule look like, Devin? Are you able to make it here to the Twin Cities this weekend? Absolutely. I'll be there on Friday. Nice. So, I mean, I guess the hope is you watch Virginia beat Auburn on Saturday and then you watch them win the national championship one week from today. You know it. Yep, absolutely. Man, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I mean, I never got to go to a Final Four. And, you know, the farthest I went to the Elite Eight. But, you know, I'm happy for those guys. So, I want to come and support as much as I can. What can Twin Cities folks expect with with Virginia Cavaliers Nation coming to town? I don't think. I mean, I, you mean uh, just the fan base? I mean, I'm sure there's going to be a ton of fans there because we have, we're traveling bunches, and you know the, the 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 fan support has been amazing every year I've been there. But um, in terms of basketball, I mean, you, you, what what you see is what you're going to get. 
you know, it's going to be a defensive-minded game and slow it down and take our time. I'll leave you with this, Devin. Is your season officially over? Did you play where? Did you play overseas and then you came back and played for the Oklahoma City G League team? Yeah, I was in uh, I was in Australia, played over there for six months, and the season the season was just six months to finish that and just finish my season up here. We lost um, in a playoff game to Santa Cruz Warriors with the G League, so now my season is done. I get a little bit of time off and then back at it. And then when you say back at it, I mean, will you play for the Thunder Summer League team this summer and then yep. hopefully have a chance to win a job come training camp in September? Yep, exactly. Yep, exactly. I mean, do you feel like your game is in a good spot where, you know, it's going to happen eventually that you'll be able to fulfill a dream of, of playing in the NBA? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Man, It's just a matter of, you know, putting my best foot forward and working as hard as I can, getting, you know, um, getting, his, you know getting better in the summer. And uh, I, know I'll, I know I'll work my butt off, so... I think I'll be at the end of the day. I think I'll be all right. Did you ever at any moment think you might end up with the Minnesota Timberwolves? I know you worked out for them at least once last year, and I think they tried to even get you in for a second workout. Yeah, I, I, I thought um, maybe. I don't know. Like I didn't know exactly how I was going to work out in terms of the draft process. You know, that's a kind of a crapshoot. You don't necessarily know where you're going to end up. Um, but I mean, maybe I thought I was going to. I had a pretty good workout with them. I like the, you know, the organization, and uh, I'm pretty sure one of the GMs that's there went to UVA, and you know, we talked a bit about that. I mean, that didn't necessarily have anything to do with if they were going to take me or not. But you know, we just that is the kind of a bit of a connection I had there. But um, yeah, maybe I thought I was going to maybe land there. Nice, all right, Devin. Congratulations on on your alma mater, your school making it to the Final Four, and I hope for your sake that that come one week from tonight you're you're partying in the streets of Minneapolis and hopefully at a downtown hotel celebrating Virginia winning a national championship. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Former Virginia Cavalier Devin Hall. He'll be here this weekend for the Final Four. A few notes before we go. I actually got the news as I was recording the interview with Devin Hall that Brett Jones had re-signed with the Vikings. I believe somebody close to Jones texted a bunch of people at the same time. So it was a matter of who had the fastest fingers, who could tweet the fastest. But anyway, one-year deal with incentives worth up to $1.5 million. The cap hit will be below $1 million. He did get more money offered to him from elsewhere. Teams in the mix for him were Kansas City, Philadelphia, Seattle, and the Jets. But Brett Jones likes it here. He wanted to return, so Brett Jones re-signing with the Vikings. Quarterback Sean Mannion in town now for a visit. Don't be surprised if the Vikings look to sign him in the coming days. On the visit front, I was able to break the news on Twitter that Andre Dillard, first-round offensive lineman, Washington State left tackle, although he did play some right tackle at the Senior Bowl. But anyway, he is due in next week for a visit. So the Vikings are hosting a bunch of draft prospects this week, but not everyone. They are saving some visits for some future dates. So Andre Dillard, Washington State, due in next week. Tom Pelissero, who does great work, who frequently contributes to Score North. Tom, a good friend of the podcast, good friend overall. He had the news first. I can certainly confirm that Noah Fant, Iowa tight end, who had a formal interview with the Vikings at the Combine, will visit. The Vikings like Noah Fant. I don't think there's any way to deny that fact. I don't have their rankings. I don't know any media member that has their rankings, but I can tell you there's a strong sense a strong belief that the Vikings are big time fans of Noah Fant whether it's Fant or some other tight end I am convinced by the end of Friday so that means first round second round third round I am convinced 
the Vikings will draft a tight end. Jay Sternberger of Texas A&M and the Oliver kid from San Jose State are a couple other tight ends due in this week for visits. The Vikings, by the way, begin off-season workouts two weeks from today, April 15th in Egan. On Gophers men's basketball, Ryan James of 24-7, the first to note this. Sam Freeman was in town last week for a visit. He's a big man from Texas, a 2019 big man. He can rebound. I got a scouting report on a school that was in the mix for Freeman, but now they're not really in the mix. But this coach knows about Freeman. He said, hey, he'll need some time, but the belief is he can rebound. The Gophers are looking for some rebounding and defensive big man help. So the Gophers are actually pretty optimistic on Freeman, who, again, he will announce his college choice on Thursday. I know Virginia Tech is also in the mix, but Virginia Tech may be losing its head coach here pretty quick with Buzz Williams going to Texas A&M. So Sam Freeman, a big man, is a decent bet to join the Gophers for next season. Big man out of the Fort Worth, Texas area, Northwest High School in Justin, Texas, but that is near Fort Worth. So know the name, Sam Freeman. On Amir Coffee, his dad was on the podcast a couple weeks ago. He will test the NBA draft waters. Look for an official announcement sometime after the final four. On Prince Alegbe from Minnehaha Academy, freshman, he finally got a Gophers offer. Over the weekend, it was actually Rob Jeter, not Coach Patino, who made the phone call, who made the offer to Prince. But regardless of who made the offer, it's about time the Gophers offered the wingman from Minnehaha class of 2022. He also got an offer over the weekend from Iowa and in the last few days also got offers from Florida and Maryland. Know the name if you don't already, Prince Alegbe from Minnehaha Academy. Andre Jones, he will take some time now to decide his future. Will he go pro, leave Duke after one year, like his brother Tyus, or will he be back for a sophomore year? Nothing has been decided yet, but I can tell you, among the NBA teams that have done the most homework on Trey, I hear are the New York Knicks, Atlanta Hawks, New Orleans Pelicans, and Oklahoma City Thunder. I just, my personal opinion is, if one of those teams gives him a first-round guarantee, a team like Oklahoma City late first round, Gives Trey a first-round guarantee. It might be hard to go back to Duke, but if he doesn't get a first-round guarantee, hey, why not go back to Duke? So we'll keep an eye on the Trey Jones going pro situation as the days move on. All right, I have other notes, but I need to get to a TV shoot at Majestic Oak, so I need to wrap this up. This has been Scoop Podcast Episode 217. He knows he once ate an entire sheet cake. He knows your selfie life isn't your real life. He knows what goes down on the DMs. Shouldn't you know your dog better? Now you can learn his inner secrets with Embark, the highest-rated dog DNA test. Unlocking over 350 breeds and screening for over 215 genetic health risks. Go to EmbarkVet.com and use promo code DNA, that's DNA, to get $60 off an Embark Breed and Health Kit or Purebred Kit with free shipping. That's promo code DNA to save today. There are all different sizes of businesses. Big business, small business, that awkward growing phase business, the running this thing from my garage business, and the OMG we can't hire fast enough business. Wherever you are in your business journey, HubSpot's powerful but easy-to-use CRM platform grows with you. It lets all of your teams work together seamlessly, whether that's just you and your roommate or colleagues across multiple time zones. Grow better with HubSpot by connecting your people, your customers, and your business. Learn more at HubSpot.com.